0: You are listening to an Art Gallery of Ontario podcast. AGO Talks are recorded live in the gallery and feature artists, writers, and curators exploring how art shapes and inspires us. Please visit us online at agionet
1: slash talks. Welcome to Art Slash Work, uh, which is the culminating event in 9 to 5, Canadian Artists at Work, my name is Michelle Jakes, and I'm the acting curator of Canadian art. I always feel so strange when I say that. Like, most of you are too young to know, th- to know this reference, probably, but whenever I say that I'm the acting curator, I think of this commercial. I think it was for Aspirin, where Marcus Welby would say, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on TV.
2: <laughs>
1: I don't really know what acting curator means. Um... Uh, but nevertheless, um, for the past three years, I've had the pleasure of being um, the co-instructor for a course called Inside the AGO, uh, a course that I, I co-teach with Kelly McKinley, who is the director of education here. And uh, this is a course that was conceived when OCAD was um, in the planning stages of launching the new uh, Criticism and Curatorial Practice MFA program. And it is a course that is designed specifically to engage um, students of uh, curatorial aspirations in um, the theory, the theoretical and practical concerns of working in a large um, public institution. So it's a course that is very much conceived to. Um, uh, get students thinking about how, um, how as curators they will make connections between art and audiences and um, over the course of, of two semesters um, we engage in readings and discussion and the students are introduced to um, individuals from across the museum and uh, all of this work leads to a culminating project at the end of the year um, in the past uh, two years we've had wonderful projects with uh, the first two years of my voice keeps getting louder and louder um, <laughs> the first two cohorts of, of students uh, the first group did a, a, an exhibition called The Matter of Loss which looked at contemporary um, artwork that engaged with issues of uh, loss and mourning and and grieving. Last year, the students uh, did a project in which they um, used strategies of intervention to um, uh, insert Aboriginal art and voices into pre-existing narratives in the um, AGO exhibition spaces. And um, this year, the students have come up with yet a different idea. I hope that you all had the chance to see um, the exhibition over the past three days, nine to five Canadian artists at work, um, because it really was um, a remarkable um, setting where artists and the curators and the audience all came together in a pretty interesting discussion and exploration of what artistic practice and the work of art is and can be. So, um, I I am um, going to introduce one of our uh, trio of curators, Mary McDonald, to come up to the podium and uh, introduce everybody who's going to be participating in the discussion this afternoon, and she'll also um, let you know how how the whole symposium will unfold um, over the next few hours. Thank you.
3: Okay, thank you, Michelle. Um, First of all, I'd just like to say thank you to the Art Gallery of Ontario, uh, Michelle Jakes, Kelly McKinley, and Carrie Ryan for their support of us as students in this project. We're very excited to be here Um, And also to welcome all of you for attending to this uh, beginning part of the symposium. Um, So since September, our class has been meeting every second week week here at the AGO, and we were introduced to many of the staff who work behind the scenes here at the gallery. Um, So from things like conservation to security, and of course curatorial, I think I can say on behalf of Zach, Catherine, and myself um, that we've really enjoyed our experience here. I think um, what was great coming into this project was, you know, as a trio we were really interested in audiences and the relationship between artworks and visitors as well as between artists themselves and audiences. Um, Excuse me, I'm a little nervous. (laughs) Uh, With this in mind, and learning about the AGO's continuing efforts to engage new audiences in interesting ways, we conceived of the idea for 9 to 5 Um, an accessible and interactive exhibition. Um, So for the past three days we have had Anitra Hamilton, uh, Graham Patterson and Ed Pien working away on their practices in the Irina Moore Gallery on the second floor. And instead of working with finished projects or artworks, we wanted to expose what goes into an artwork or what it is like to be or to work as a contemporary artist in Canada. And what better way to do this than to install the artists themselves into the space? Um, And we also wanted to play with the idea of uh, this idea of artistic genius. Um, And so by looking at artists' work through the lens of the familiar office um, setting, we hope to provide a familiar idea of work while also showing how each artist works in different ways and on a variety of projects all at the same time. So this conversation um, That we have today is an extension of the 9 to 5 project and we encourage you to ask us questions during the Q&A period and we will do our best to share our experiences of the project and its challenges. So just to introduce the panel um, here on the far end we have Catherine Dennis who's a fellow um, curator of this project and Zachary Pearl also a fellow curator and classmate and then we have Ed Pien, Toronto artist Uh, who, and also educator, who works in um, intricate and immersive cut paper installations and drawing. And we have Michelle Jakes, of course. Um, And then we have Anitra Hamilton, uh, who is a mid-career Toronto artist whose work juxtaposes kind of uh, political subject matter with fragile materials, um, and she works in many different media, including sculpture and performance. And then we have Graham Patterson who is an emerging artist currently based out of Sackville, New Brunswick who works predominantly in stop animation. So there's a wide variety of artists here and, and I just want to say thank you again and look forward to our discussions and ask us lots of questions. Thank you.
1: So, um, whoops. Sorry. (laughs) perhaps I should um, start off with uh, a a question directed um, at the three curators Mary you've um, started to talk a little bit about how your interests um, as classmates and curators led to this project but I wonder if um, the three of you any one of the three of you uh, want to talk a little bit about um, your process and particularly your collaborative process um, in terms of you know how you worked together to come up with this idea and develop all of the nuances of the 9 to 5 project
4: I think we've been very fortunate um, working together that we do share similar interests in the audience as well as art um, I think every year for our program there's been a different focus that comes from the group that works together. And this year, working, we've <laughs> I feel like we've become a bit of a family, truthfully. Um, <laughs> so we definitely all have particular interests and um, avenues that we really wanted to explore, but there's been a good push and pull that's allowed for each of our strengths to come out, um, but also to learn from each other while we've been working on this project.
5: Um, I would I would just say that I think the process has been um, it, it was very collaborative from the beginnings from the brainstorming sessions and that there no there's never been a clear leadership role in this project. We've done a really good job of, in my opinion, um, maintaining like a, a latitude across, and um, it's been interesting to uh, even even in our um, selection process of. The artists. It was never, um, it was never uh, there was never a mandate coming from anyone. It was always uh, our, our selection of the artists, I think, and their diversity reflects our own diverse backgrounds that each of us as curators bring to this project. Um, I was actually having a conversation with, um, actually, with. One of Catherine's family members <laughs> uh, yesterday in the space about how this project uh, I feel has become a mirrored image of uh, our own process to make this project happen between the three of us as curators. Um, we all, we each of us have different interests um, that we will shortly be pursuing in our thesis work next year. But Catherine is definitely right that we share a common uh, bond and an interest in working with audience, and so. It reflected really the the artists working in the office space, separated by their cubicles, doing their own work, but also working together under this larger umbrella of an idea of exposing uh, visitors to the process of what it is to be and what it, it is to make contemporary art in Canada. And so it was, it was kind of a very, um, it was a, a weird parallel that I thought kind of developed over time that I didn't realize from the beginning. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I think. I think for me, um, you know, I always try to put myself in the visitor's shoes, you know, and that many of the visitors coming to the AGO um, are often first-time visitors, and um, and I guess because my own experience working uh, in artist-run centres and with kind of um, a community focus in mind, I I felt um, there was definitely. Uh, like we agreed in in terms of Catherine and Zach and myself, uh, that that was a very important like point of departure, I guess, for mm-hmm. this for this project. Um, and so to offer, we hoped uh, like a wide range of artists and practices. We hope to kind of intrigue visitors in different ways, um, and about kind of broadening just what is. Uh, contemporary practices which could be so many different things nowadays so we hoped by through the choice of our artists we were able to uh, to do that I suppose and um, yeah
1: um, I think this is the kind of question that could, could go either way so um, I hope it goes well um, I wonder if uh, each of the artists would mind letting us know how you felt when you first got the invitation to participate in this project you know what was your kind of immediate response to the idea um, did you have any reservations were you immediately intrigued
0: um, I was immediately intrigued it's sort of um, there was right away you're thinking okay we're gonna be like circus dogs we're like <laughs> <laughs> And um, that just that seemed interesting
6: to me. Could you could you dial up
7: the volume just a little bit? For myself, I had I had done something similar before, um, and and I, I had actually really enjoyed it. So uh, having another opportunity to. Uh, work in an environment with other artists that I... I, I well, I, I hadn't met either of you, really, so mm-hmm. I knew of your work, but I, I was kind of excited to work amongst you. And also, uh, I guess it, it is kind of a performative thing. Um, I, it's something I have an interest in, so <laughs> it, was, it was another opportunity to do something uh, along those lines, uh, something that uh, might change my practice in, in some little way. Uh, which I, I like those opportunities. So.
6: I, I was quite thrilled, not not because I was invited, but because I've always have been thinking about how to uh, invite the viewer into the gallery more. Uh, because I show, and I'm also an audience. Because I probably see more shows than I show, uh, and I I'm always forever thinking. You know, like, there's some really exciting shows, exhibitions, and projects, and the audience uh, numbers is just never there. So how is it possible to, in fact, to do more outreach to, to get the viewers more excited? Uh, I've never done anything like this. I've done residencies before, so I'm not unfamiliar with uh, being in an artificially set up setting. Uh, it didn't disturb me. I, I just really looked forward to any kind of engagement, actually.
5: Um, well, I, I guess I have then a follow up question for the artist too. Um, has this, with the, the, the artificial setup of the office, what are what were your initial feelings about that as our metaphor for or the to, way to get people um, and a point of access for them? I'd, I'd never worked in an office.
2: Lucky <laughs> you. So I was kind of excited to <laughs> get to sit at a desk and pretend like I,
7: I, I had like a real job or, or something like that. But uh, I, I also kind of got excited by the potential of people seeing us in this uh, uh, almost awkward space. Um, Thinking that we might have some interesting questions that would follow, like how how it might be changing our work while we're in this setting. Is it inspired by the setting? And uh, I think it ended up being uh, a thing that did make did make me think of, of different things while I was making it. We'll see where that leads later. Well, for
6: me, it was a fairly neutral space, only insofar as it's a familiar space. We're, we're all used to seeing this kind of cubicle-based um, uh, work area. Uh, for me, it was kind of fun. It was like playing house. But <laughs> 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 well, I, I have worked in really unusual places, uh, including in a train, you know, uh, in someone's, on someone's kitchen floor. So, so it's not so much how, uh, where I'm working is what I'm doing. Uh, and in this case, even though people were coming through, I, I was focused enough to be able to make my own stuff and, and engage with the public.
0: Um, yeah, I liked the, the fact that it was um, like a job, and <coughs> that we were here from <laughs> 9 to 5, because um, artists don't generally work that way, where you just like set time, so it's just like coming in and you had that set time to do your work, hmm. you know, normally you work. I, I, yeah, but I never
6: saw it as a job. Just because, as an artist, I'm just always working. Mm-hmm. So it was just another place where I had the opportunity, in terms of time, to continue making stuff.
5: Um, I, I know that I know that some of the visitors assumed that it was a real workspace and that they had <laughs> encroached upon a real office space within the AGO. I'm wondering um, also from the artist maybe if there was a question or an experience with a visitor um, along those lines that stood out over the three days where it was uh, either a visitor was confused about what the space was or who you were. I I didn't have that experience, but I was thinking
7: the whole time, maybe someone thinks I'm a conservator or something on (laughs) this (laughs) way, fixing this piece of work. No one asked that, but...
0: I did have someone ask me um, whether I felt sort of exposed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She was concerned about.
6: <laughs> well, for me, I'm oh. oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, for me to be working in the public, it feels like I was negotiating boundaries between the view, uh, the visitors and myself. So I was quite careful in uh, when someone passed by. I always look at looked at them to see if they want to engage. If they didn't want to engage, they would just kind of keep walking, mm-hmm. and that's fine because I mm-hmm. certainly didn't want to provoke. Or, 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 kind of uh, get into their, uh, their sense of um, what kind of sp- whatever space they want to be in. Uh, the people who are really interested tend to walk slower, uh, make con- eye contact. It's almost like a a pickup. <laughs> <laughs> Back, <laughs> and Checking then uh, I, would, yeah. I would put my things down because I think most people are also uh, they don't want to interrupt you. You're working, you're making art, mm-hmm. art, kind of. So, so, you have to kind of just stop and look at them, and it goes from there. Yeah,
0: I had brought a book to do a bit of research, and I found that when I was reading, people didn't want to interrupt me. Like, I would look up and smile, but they were sort of like, so it was better when I was doing my other
4: stuff. Graham you mentioned something interesting I thought um, when you were talking about how it might have influenced your own practice and the work that you were doing and three days is a very short time period I think had the project extended longer perhaps that would be more clear but I'm wondering if from the artists if either the environment being within the institution or an interaction with visitors in any way influenced you in a new way something you hadn't considered before if those ideas have come to mind yet
7: um, I think it was. It had something to do with always having to describe my practice while I was making mm-hmm. <laughs> making my work and talking mm-hmm. to people. Which is, uh, I feel like every time I talked to somebody, I described my practice completely different. The same <laughs> general idea, but mm-hmm. it, it kind of it changed depending on the person, the questions, right. and just I think through the process of that, I. I did start thinking about my work differently, <laughs> and so I'd go back into what I was making. I just, I didn't necessarily change anything. I, I you know, it might be something that, will, like I said, might come up later. I'll think of something, but uh, it's. I think there there's definitely a, an effect there.
6: Uh, Nothing happened, but but I did bring different kinds of work uh, to start something new. And this doesn't mean that nothing will ever happen Uh, in a three-day's time. um, It's very short. I'm sure over the course of a longer extended time period that there may be uh, opportunities where I will take in different things. I did have extensive engagement with people, and that always allows me to kind of reflect on my work. Uh, People were very generous. A lot of people offered um, kind of feedback or possible other approaches. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was very good. Yeah,
0: yeah I'm the to that there, there were no, um, no changes, but perhaps over time.
3: Because, um, just a kind of follow-up question on that, um, but because you interact with so many different types of visitors, um, when you go back to your regular studio practice, uh, do you think you will um, consider those multiple or multiplicity of audiences, or do you kind of just get in the zone um, and kind of make work for you, or maybe talk about a little bit about that?
7: Um, well, uh, I, I'm the type of, uh, I guess, artist that when I'm in my studio, I'm pretty engaged mm-hmm. and. The point. Well, I, I work alone, primarily. I live alone a lot. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that's it, the kind of thing that, for 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 periods of time, I don't think about. And it's been nice to to really to really think about the viewer and their thoughts and their questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope that I hope that uh, just this experience mm-hmm. will remind me to think about it a little more. Because mm-hmm. um, there's, yeah, there's a variety of, of ways that people look at your work. Uh, they'd come with different information and um, I think I uh, yeah, definitely experienced uh, uh, a full spectrum of that while being here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think, yeah, I'm the same way, always um, working at home alone and it was interesting to have people Stop and ask you, and and um, just doing an impromptu studio visit.
6: Yeah, well, uh, the question you ask, um, in a way, it's about who is your audience, and mm-hmm. I, that's a question I asked during the Inuit Modern Symposium to some of the Inuit artists. It, it's a it's a big question because um, I'm always thinking about who my audience is. First of all, I have to satisfy myself, but I also have to make something that's somehow approachable by others. And uh, I think the approachability doesn't just start and end with the artwork itself. It, it, it does involve sometimes uh, a conference like this or just interacting with the, the viewers. I'm, I'm always very excited to be in an exhibition space with my, where my work is showing and talking about my work. Uh, that really helps to, to kind of connect more, uh, you and your work, with, with the audience.
1: Can I? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, Anitra, I witnessed um, one interaction with you and a visitor um, when the I think the visitor expressed surprise about the fact that you were working at a desk or on a computer or something, and mm-hmm. you had actually brought in quite different work to do than than what Graham and um, right. Ed were working on. You were you were doing your taxes and writing a grant and. Um, pulling together images for an app, and uh, you know, in a way, this connects to what you were just talking about about sort of the the bigger apparatus of the work that an artist does. And I wonder if, in the conversations that you had with with visitors or with the curators or with each other, whether that topic came up. And um, you know. How, how much surprise was expressed about the range of things that, that um, comprise artistic work
0: um, Definitely with um, students, when I was talking just saying, you know, I'm doing my taxes, I'm writing a grant and I said, you know, you spend a lot of your time doing that, writing proposals and a lot of them were really surprised I thought that, you know, you just you're in your studio all day, all day making stuff and that's not the way it works <laughs>
4: I think it was really interesting for, for us. Um, when we proposed the project and invited the artist to come in, there was no s- express dictation of what they were going to do. They were invited to bring whatever they were working on at the time um, because we did want to look at what it is to be an artist at work and what that involves. And I know for a lot of us and the three curators all come from studio backgrounds where that part is rarely ever discussed Um, So you leave your education often not realizing all of the different levels that go into becoming an artist and to becoming a practicing artist is that your your focus of your career. So I think it's really interesting for visitors and for art students to see um, sort of the more administrative aspects because it's a very realistic perception of the artist.
5: Um, I think that's also a good lead-in um, for a couple of different questions about maybe how the artists felt about participating in this project, because we, as curators, this was a unique, uh, non, an unconventional curatorial project because we didn't outline any outcomes. It was we we set up the conditions and kind of let the ship take off from the dock from there without any idea where it would end up, and so maybe the artists can talk a little bit about. Um, whether that was apparent to them from the beginning or whether it appealed to them. And I think also the, um, this idea of how much of it did they feel was a performance of what they do and how much of it was uh, a real view into their own artistic practice.
0: I thought it felt pretty performative. You, you were sort of on. It was We were saying earlier that it was sort of like being at an opening where you're, mm. you know, you're talking to people and talking about your work.
2: Hmm.
7: I almost felt that at some points that it was performative and it felt like an opening, but it actually at times it felt more comfortable than that. Um, When there was a group of people that had been in the space for a while and uh, they'd been talking to different, you know, all three of us collectively and then come back to, you know, uh, the same person twice. And it's like that person had been around in the space and you just feel comfortable with them in that Mm -hmm. space and they could ask you anything. and I, I, it, That was actually something I didn't think would happen, but did. Kind of a and nice experience.
0: I found that um, these, this sort of impromptu studio visit, um, it was easier to just focus on your work and talk about your work. And not like when someone comes to your home, they see everything. They see the way you live. They're finding out a lot of information about you, and you feel even, I think, more exposed when they're coming into your space. So this was sort of... You had more control over what they saw and didn't see (laughs) I
6: I felt I was on all the time because there were people coming through but I didn't think I was performing in the sense that I was making art so that was what I, that's what I do and when people come through and engage with me I do that quite often so I I felt that was just part and parcel with uh, being what I do uh, being who I am what I do (laughs) (laughs)
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, well and maybe maybe my other curator, my fellow curators can answer this too but um, there was a bit of um, performative aspects of, about for us as curators of this exhibition too because we definitely had to do some of the we had to do some of the the, the, the explanation around the project and the Facilitating of getting people into the space to make them comfortable, and so we took on the roles I felt anyway of um, we were kind of the, the the greeters or the the hospitality of the <laughs> exhibition. <laughs> so maybe maybe Mary and Catherine can comment about <clears throat> how their views on that.
3: I think I think that's very true. I mean, it was. Um, But I mean, we could talk about performance or performativity a little bit larger than that as well. I mean, if you're, you know, if you do have a regular office job, um, that is, you are playing a role in a certain way there. Um, Or you know, whether whatever type of work you do, it is a role that you put on, and it's somewhat separate from your maybe home life or who you feel you are, you know. But definitely being an animator of this space, um, I felt like I I really wanted to do that because it helps, I think, to just approach people and um, invite them into the space and make it um, familiar and and say hello and, you know, be nice. (laughs) Um, You know, and not... Because we didn't want it to be a completely um, zoo-like atmosphere where people would just walk in and not quite... And just look at the artists you know we wanted them to interact (laughs) so being like and sometimes we had to say you know it's okay to ask questions like you know they're just here working on their practices and then that would help um, them approach the artists so um, so that is a type of performance for sure yeah performing
6: uh, yeah. I, I can add a little bit more to that. Uh, earlier, I said I didn't feel like I was performing, but at a certain point, you do start repeating yourself. Mm-hmm. You'll say, mm-hmm. "This is what I do."
2: <laughs> <Again>. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it is like a script. script. In
6: that. Yeah, <laughs> you're trying to kind of condense it a little bit and clarify a little bit more. So it's almost like a thirty-second elevator <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> be and, sometimes. And that you
0: could custom fit your like right. whoever you were speaking to. You would, you know just it, it would. Um, Direct in different ways, depending mm-hmm. on what they were interested right. in, and then you would show them a particular right. works.
4: I know one thing about the experience when we were Discussing what this week would look like. We didn't really know what our roles would be. Mm-hmm. We had sort of made ourselves available um, Because we are dealing with artists and we wanted their experience to be as positive as possible so being available for any needs that arose But in the end, we had so much fun. And I think that was really what it was. That, yes, we were there to greet and make visitors comfortable. But we wanted to be in the space. We enjoyed ourselves tremendously. I mean, I learned a lot from the artists, uh, from different visitors who came in and conversations. And I think that it did make it almost more of a community. That by the end of the three days, I really felt like something special had happened that you don't often get from an exhibition where you come in by yourself or with one or two people you know, and you spend most of your time looking and perhaps reflecting. Mm-hmm. This is, was really a dialogue, and I was just happy to be there, actually, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that was really our intention at the get-go, but it certainly came out mm-hmm. that way.
5: I think I think I had a, a mini revelation on Thursday afternoon when I was talking to a visitor. Um, who had already met with all three of the artists, but I just happened to be in the space, I think, updating our, our blog that was going on synonymi- uh, yeah, uh, in synchronicity with the, <laughs> the, um, with the event. And we started talking about, you know, the, the sort of, like, why isn't art the same as it was in the 60s? And had this conversation, actually, about the politics of art in contemporary art. And I started to think to myself, you know, this conversation could be happening anywhere, but it's actually evolved out of this experience of her having this this interaction with the artists, and, and it's a chain of thought that was born out of this. And I thought to myself, well, what, you know, what am I doing here? Well, I mean, I, I'm here because I put this project together. I, I, I'm not one of the artists. I don't have to be here, but I'm in this space, and I'm part of this. And it was like, well... It was a little bit conflicting for me, actually, being one of the curators, but I definitely felt that I, as well, was part of the exhibition. And so it really became this... It it was was an experience of dialogue. And at that moment, I realized that that was what we really did, was we produced a dialogue within the gallery space that went beyond the office furniture, went beyond uh, even our process of Selecting, I, th- I mean, we selected artists that we knew were going to be personable and would would play a part in starting that dialogue. But the the whole the, the process itself was much, I, I think, larger than I had realized.
0: Yeah, you guys definitely um, were part of it. It wasn't like, yeah. oh, you're just the curators and you you know throwing three artists together and see what happens. Like as you said, you were like the Walmart greeters making sure (laughs) you (laughs) got around and met people and felt comfortable and and it was important that you guys were there with us, I felt.
5: Did we ever get on your nerves? (laughs) Always.
1: (laughs) I wonder if um, anybody else has uh, anecdotes about favorite conversations or interactions with visitors or each other?
4: Oh, okay, I'll start us off. I actually had an interesting conversation with another AGO employee. Um, It was actually not necessarily a positive conversation. He didn't understand the project, nor did he feel um, that what was being displayed was art or connected to art. And we had a long back and forth, and in the end, I didn't change his mind. um, But I do believe that when you do something different that does push boundaries, um... Or engage in conversation. You need the good and the bad. So I had dozens of amazing conversations. But it's good to know that someone out there actually had an adverse reaction, I think, because you want to be doing something a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit out of the ordinary. And I think that conversation for me highlighted that perhaps we achieved that.
0: Um, I liked a story that Mary told me. I think it was was it on the day that we were installing about the prairie dogging. She had looked <laughs> oh, yes. up office terminology and that's so So um, a prairie dog is someone that looks over the partition and like being nosy and talking to their uh, neighbor or whatever so Graham and I did a little mock-up of this and we took photographs so he was looking into my space and I was going what? (laughs) he was interrupting
7: me and bugging me when in reality I don't think we did too much
2: prairie dogging no No, we didn't (laughs) Well I wasn't (laughs) told (laughs) on
6: I I was touched by someone who was touched by what I said, Mm. and I cried.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
5: Ed, you're such a soft. Um, Can I do? I have permission to share from the the other curators. I guess the story about the gallery guides' reaction. One of the gallery guides' reactions to. Uh it it I agree talking about it's good to have people with a, a slightly adverse reaction because we we weren't looking to be controversial with this project but we were looking to be provocative to get people thinking about what is it that we're actually doing and what uh how does that reflect back on their own con, um preconceptions of what a gallery is or what should be shown in a gallery and I was actually in the uh in the volunteer center Uh, picking up my bags and one of the gallery guides came in and had no idea who I was and I I was introducing the project and I held up one of the postcards and I said, oh, we're students from OCAD and we put together this 9 to 5 project in the Irina Moore gallery and he goes, yeah, what the hell is that? (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking, you know, I mean, at at the time, I was actually really excited by his reaction because if nothing else, it shows that he had already noticed it, and that he—it obviously had sparked something in his brain. Like he, otherwise he would have just, you know, not acknowledged it. And so we actually had a conversation about, you know, kind of that along those same lines: is this really art? Is that—is um, it appropriate for the gallery? And I, but at the same time, we both—I I, didn't—I don't think I persuaded him completely either. But he definitely understood by the end of it that this, is, that our, this project is, we always thought of it as an, an experiment. And like I said earlier, we didn't have any specific outcomes that, in the sense, anyway, that we want A and B and C to happen. We had ideals, and we knew that it was, you know, once, once things got underway on Wednesday afternoon when the project started, that we could only, we could only hope. And uh, But that was also really exciting, the, the unknown, the uncertainty of it.
3: I think uh, one of my favorite moments was on Wednesday evening. Um, uh, there was a family of young children uh, interacting with Graham. And, uh, you know, one of the great things was that he was allowing um, the kids to kind of touch and play with what he was working on, which was this little tiny puppet um, and so they were really excited by that, and uh, and one of the young boys asked if um, if he could use the hot glue gun, <laughs> and, and I think um, Graham said, you know, it's for you know when you're older, <laughs> you, have to, you have to wait. And he asked, how old do you have to be? <laughs> and, and I think his mom, or he asked, can, can I use it when I'm a teenager? And his mom said, yes, yes, when you're a teenager, you can use the hot glue gun. And so. I liked how they were excited by the materials he was using you know and and many of those materials you could find around the house you know and so I could imagine them maybe going home and making puppets themselves, or um, I thought that was really great and uh okay. and one of yeah, one of the other little girls started telling about what she makes and what she wants to make. And she was going on about knitting and how she wanted to learn how to knit and le- learn how to knit make a purple, yourself, yeah, purple, purple sweater. Purple yeah. sweater. <laughs> <laughs> and she got really excited. And, and it was it was a great conversation between two, two artists. Yeah,
7: yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that you say that. I was just thinking that there were, there were a few artists that wanted to talk about their work mm-hmm. to me. so uh, interesting that... Uh, I was trying to tell them about my work. <laughs> 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 well, well, what I do is I um, got a few cards and you know. You know. But it, you know, I think they're, they're at the same time having a good time in the space and excited about uh, just just making work. So this is positive in, mm-hmm. in some way.
1: Not to um not to push the negative, but I'm wondering, you know, the two reports that you have given of people sort of having an adverse reaction to the project came from AGO staff and volunteers. And I'm wondering... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, They'll be fired. <laughs> I'm wondering um, whether any questions um, or concerns of that nature mm. came from, from visitors or the public, mm. or or did they kind of immediately just... Okay. Get it and respond and have a good time.
7: So a lot of visitors that didn't ask right. what was going on that you could hear just walk by and
2: say what What the hell is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the same thing. People who walked by and didn't participate, I would take that as maybe a certain kind of reaction. You know, um, mm-hmm. it'd be hard to know without doing maybe an exit survey or something like that to be like, well, why didn't you ask? You know, or yeah.
4: And I think what Ed said as well, like um, with visitors, he engaged those that seemed interested in being engaged and playing off of the visitors' reaction. So, I'm, my impression is, especially with the artists and ourselves, that there was never the intention of confronting art, or visitors. So, should they choose not to engage, that was fine. Whereas with staff um, and with <laughs> members of your own community, you want to know what they think and you want to engage them in those conversations. And be pushed to explain why you do something, whereas with visitors we really wanted to create a positive atmosphere. And if this for them wasn't the way they would like to engage with art, then then that's okay too. You know, that's one exhibition can't be for everybody.
5: Um, and not, also on the other side of that too, uh, the visitors that I did talk to that spent time in the space and did talk to the artists, I heard multiple times. Uh, in one format or another, this is one of the most exciting projects that I've seen in years. Um, this is really great that you're doing it inside the HEO. This should be a permanent part of the programming here, uh, you know, as as a some sort of residency program. I think that people really, the people who did engage with the artists, really liked that they stumbled into the gallery space. It was unexpected, and that it was it was it was a deviance from. Their sort of uh, typical uh, visit to an institution like this, and uh, the age range also of the visitors that told me that some some were much older so, uh, a few high school students said that actually on the Wednesday night during the free uh, the three hours after six so um, and also to add to the what I was saying earlier about the gallery guide that was questioning me about. Um, you know what the hell is this he uh, in that way he, he also we talked specifically about he said well shouldn't the artists be hailing us down and saying oh hi I'm so-and-so and uh, you need to come over and talk to me because this is part of the exhibition and I said well you know we did discuss that as a possibility but immediately you know drop that because it but just like Catherine said we we want it to be a welcoming environment and for some people that would work but for other people that would also be equally intimidating um, it has to be a voluntary process and we're not we're not going to force anyone into having an aesthetic experience of any kind so um, that was also that was another really tricky part is that you know, you know especially in setting the conditions for this it can only it, it's only the artist can only meet the visitor halfway. It takes both of those sides to, to be willing to participate in that.
6: Earlier I said the, uh, the space is neutral uh, because it's familiar, but I'm just curious if, if it was more studio-like, would it hmm. make uh, more people um, approach us, they'd be less confused? Because they may not think that an office space is where
5: an artist actually works. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe Graham and Anitra can give their opinion about that. Um, well, I, I,
7: I, my my previous experience, uh, like I had said, I had a previous previous experience uh, uh, um, to this that was similar, and it was a thirteen little studio kind of cubicles, white walls. You know, uh, allowed us to kind of throw paint on the floor, whatever we wanted. Like, could totally go at it. But it almost that in itself felt kind of weirdly constructed and like Mm. because that for me that's not really kind of my studio space at home (laughs) I don't work like that and uh, so this didn't feel like it was would have been all that different maybe Mm -hmm. Um, maybe for the visitor um, but at the same time I think that might have played on their own idea of how how an artist works Mm -hmm. thinking okay yes this is what I would imagine an artist would how it would look in their studio and
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that um, for some people the office did sort of take them by surprise and, and maybe they felt intimidated, but um, I kind of liked that it, was, it wasn't set up like a studio, it was an office and, and just
7: toying around with that. Yeah, we, we made it our own space
2: eventually. <laughs> <laughs> some of us messier than others. <laughs>
7: and that in itself kind of, like I felt like, the way my desk was that. It, it was easy for people to see how it worked that it was it became a studio in itself yes. and um, so I, I don't think it would have been that much different mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what
1: kind of spaces do you typically work in for the artists
7: i work in various spaces <laughs> i work in my living room <laughs> I work in my garage <laughs> uh, it, it's it depends on the work. For, for me, it really depends on the work I set it up for what I'm doing specifically because I, I do a variety of things, so um, it's not always the white
2: kind of mm-hmm. cube
7: space with, yeah. you know,
2: I'm paint the on the
7: floor. It's
6: right. I, uh, everything in my studio is uh, on wheels. <laughs> 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 like Graham, I, I make a variety of things, so I need to constantly reconfigure my space to make sure that it kind of suits mm-hmm. what I'm doing. And having done a lot of residencies, um, I'm always going into very unfamiliar spaces that I have to make somehow workable. Uh, but that, to me, is one of the uh, challenges and something I look forward to, because it really throws me off, and I have to think about ways to make work, maybe from a completely different point of view. Yeah, um, I, my
0: work isn't always studio-based. Um, I often do recordings outside, and like I record parades, that type of thing, so there's zero studio time on that
1: (laughs) I wonder if I could ask um, a question of the three curators Um, earlier on you asked the artists to talk about whether the experience um, might have any impact on their work and Mm -hmm. I wonder if the three of you can talk about how this experience might impact your future curatorial Mm -hmm. practice
3: Um, I think for me, I mean, I've always been interested in different presentation models and so not just the um, traditional uh, gallery model where we have objects on walls, but I'm really interested in events or um, series of events or symposiums. So I do see, in fact, today a part of the project upstairs as well. Um, And I think there's something to be said about the liveness of this model, you know, that really... um, is exciting um, and non-static and it exists in a certain time and space and then it's done and there's maybe a recording of this experience but uh, um, I really kind of like that because I find it like as a, a formal construct it, it um, makes a lot of sense for a lot of the content of contemporary art as well as being temp- temporary or temporal or kind of existing only in one time. Um, so I'm really excited about this kind of model, and I think next year when we do our thesis work, because we'll be doing individual projects, I'm looking at doing a, um, installing an artist or uh, doing a residency in a town that is not familiar with contemporary art, so making a, a collaborative kind of partnership with um, a community organization and then having an artist work with them and kind of doing something together, and it would maybe exist for a week or two weeks. Um, So I do see this as maybe being a test run for a project such as that. Um, So yeah, it's definitely an influence on me.
5: Um, I I would say this is probably the first experience where I've had where I've really curated collaboratively, um, where I felt that I I wasn't taking a leading edge, and I wasn't... I wasn't um, being supervised either by the other... Uh, I've, I've tended to have a lot of experiences where it's the one-man band and <laughs> I'm kind of covering all aspects of it. Um, we, all three of us have had experiences of working in... Uh, on We'll call them modest budgets or non-existent budgets and uh, and doing things where... You know, you have to rely on yourself to fulfill a lot of roles simultaneously. So it's been a really good experience, um, I, th- I think, for me to... That will influence my future work to, uh, to work collaboratively with these two women and also to realize that um, this project would not have turned out like this had I not had their backgrounds, their experiences, their opinions. And actually, the weirdest thing is that I don't really feel at this point like it is my project, necessarily. I feel that it was created between, you know, sort of like one person with three heads coming out of it. And that <laughs> I'm definitely related to the project, but it, um, it, it was so collaborative, the process, I don't think that I could ever claim it as my own in that sense.
4: I think for myself... Um, We spend so much time as students writing papers and reading about the theory behind exhibitions, behind different models of the way um, shows can be put together, and it was really great to, to put it into practice and to see how certain things work out. Because I know for myself, I'm very interested in art, but I'm very interested in how people interact with art, and particularly contemporary art, how that can be accessible, welcoming, and a lot of fun. And I think that that gets left out too often, is the fun aspect. So, (laughs) well, so I really enjoyed this this opportunity and seeing how, you know, there's a variety of interpretive strategies that you can use within an exhibition, but sometimes it really is about, about a conversation. Um, and I think that this has highlighted that for me that that is really a successful way of going about it and how much people enjoy meeting artists Um, you know for me I was very excited about meeting these three wonderful artists that was a privilege in and of itself but even visitors who weren't aware of their work it really meant something to them so I think that that's something I'd love to pursue in the future is working directly with artists in a space with people and art
1: so we're actually um right on schedule to move into the um audience Q&A, but I wonder if anybody up here has any last comments or anything that they want to ask of their fellow panelists before we open it up to the floor.
5: I guess my my pervasive uh question that I've been wanting to ask or waiting to get to this moment is <laughs> you know Directed towards the artists, were you? How was the project for you? (laughs) Did you you enjoy it? Was it? When are we getting paid? (laughs) 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 No, it
0: was it was great. It was um, really nice having the chance to sit down and talk to people, and as I said, like doing the little studio visit and finding out about the like if it was another artist or a student talking to them about their practice. just thought interacting was nice. It's a nice change from being at home alone <laughs> working by <about> yourself.
7: <laughs> I had a similar experience where, you know, because I, I've been working on something pretty extensively by myself for a while. I haven't had that, and I haven't had a, an exhibition in a while, so I you have an opening and you get to talk to talk to the people that are looking at your work, uh, have comments. So it was actually nice to... To get those comments again, and in a fairly <laughs> extensive way. <Yeah. amount. laughs> yeah. it was it was it ended up being a very very good experience. I think, for, especially for like a three day thing, uh, something that was kind of short. It was it was it's some it it's a, it was much more than I thought it'd be. It was
6: good. Good. Yeah, uh, I,
7: I I concur with my
6: <laughs> colleagues actually. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. Thank um, Anything else, or should we should we open it up? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh. A question in the front, second row. I'm, I'm
3: exactly oh, are we
1: recording this? Do we need a microphone?
2: Okay. Yeah.
8: Hello, my name's Sasha and I'm uh, the Assistant Curator of European Art here. I've only been here for a couple of months but I'm one of the staff members who walked through and did not engage. <laughs> but I did think, it made me think uh, hard about many things and uh, before I sort of describe those things I'll, I'll preface it with my question which is for the artists and the curators uh, what do you imagine sort of the institutional imprint of this project to have been? Um, For me, I work primarily with medieval art. uh, or That's my specialty. I work with a broader range of things here, obviously. But something I've been uh, thinking about a lot is the Thompson medieval collection and uh, the ivories and the enamels and things that you may be more or less familiar with. And a point of access for those for, for the visitors to the museum and for scholars alike is process you know there's such a wow factor in how those ivories were carved and if people are bored and I start to describe that process it's I mean you it's just amazing seeing what people think and so I you know I walked through your gallery the first day and I imagine maybe I'll have a little like medieval's time, medieval times set up downstairs in Thompson European. <laughs> people all dressed up <laughs> in fourteenth <14th> century garb <laughs> carving away with miniature tools you know and obviously that's real construct and hokey in so many ways, but is it really hokey in so many ways if it if it can uh, enrich people 's experiences with those objects so it had me thinking a lot um, and you know you, With contemporary art, you have sort of the luxury of bringing the artists into the gallery uh, in a more uh, authentic way than the medieval times example. Uh, But um, I wonder, you know, it made me think, how many people walked through that gallery today and carried what they talked about there into the Canadian historic galleries and and started thinking about process, looking at objects that are totally you know, disconnected from what you were doing in that moment and in that time, but connected in a much more sort of theoretical way. And so for me, I wondered, you know that I wish there was that exit survey because uh, I think looking at you, I wondered if people finally walked into Thompson European and were like, "Oh, I wonder how this thing was made, you know, and that they themselves were able to guide themselves to a more satisfying viewing experience. so. I just thought I would share that and, uh, and ask you if you could reflect on that in a way, um, starting maybe with the artists and then the curators.
7: Um, kind of based on my personal experience and, and what I, I was kind of collecting from viewers uh, seeing Ed and Anitra, um, I think uh, a lot of our practices are we invent our own way of of working and making things, and I think some of the the, the viewers were able to to kind of see a bit of that, not realizing that they would be seeing that. And uh, um, I you know I imagine they would be looking at other uh, forms of art, thinking, is this like an invented process? Was this something that somebody taught them, or did they just come come up with it by themselves? Um, that's one thought I had.
6: I, I didn't understand
7: the question you were trying to
6: ask. Can you rephrase the question? Uh, I guess the question was um, institutionally, you know, beyond this specific
8: moment. Uh, do, you th- do you think you were able to sort of have a lasting um, imprint on on the gallery-going experience here for people? Sort of. I guess my phrase was sort of an institutional imprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it's mm. not right. probably a very clear question, but right, right, right. <laughs> getting well, you thinking about that, I guess. Well,
6: it feels like a daunting task. I think it's a, it's a process where it's an ongoing engagement, maybe at different levels, so that you may want to introduce your collection at a very fundamental level to an audience and then maybe to, some, uh, to a more advanced audience. I recently went to a collection in... Uh, uh, Bradford in the UK. It's a cinema museum, and the guy was very uh, learn, learned, learned, uh, wealthy information. He showed things that were pretty popular, like a photo of Elizabeth Taylor, this kind of um, Gorilla um, mechanical thing, uh, but he did it in such a way that didn't f- I didn't feel I was being pandered to, like an, a kid. Uh, he, so I think there are ways, and I like to go back. But the next time when I go back, I'm hoping that I will learn something more deep and more meaningful.
2: Yeah,
0: I think it's um, it's hard to gauge that one to, um, to really know what kind of a, an effect, it, it, how long that's going to last with the viewer. They're going to think about it every time they go to a gallery or or not. I think
4: we could only hope or dream that we would make an institutional imprint. I think that would be an ideal outcome for us as students and emerging curators. One thing about your example that I thought was really interesting and about this experience and how the galleries interact, some of the most engaging exhibitions that I have been to combine historical and contemporary, that it isn't necessarily, say, about having a medieval setup to experience how people work but that having, say, these contemporary artists working next to a European collection does impact the way you see it. Mm-hmm. And that there are a lot of, despite the differences, a lot of connections and strains that we can make. And so sometimes having an exhibition or a project that conflates time and invites those things to interact can really make it accessible for people. I know for myself, I find that very engaging.
5: Um. Yeah, I would agree that I think that we, as far as an institutional imprint, we we never expected that to to happen, but we had the ideal of that happening. Um, But I think that you know a a lasting effect of this or this sort of exhibition model would be really, especially in terms of contemporary art, to to humanize it and to um, it's it's very easy in a gallery setting to. To admire the, the objects, but to forget that, especially when it's contemporary art, that there is a, there is a person and there is a, a history and, a, and, and memories and these conversations that go into the process of it that, are, that led to that appearing in the gallery in the first place. And so I hope, and I, th- I feel from the visitors that I talk to, that they then take that idea of a humanization of the objects that they see and carry that into other parts of the institution with them.
3: I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) 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 Humanize. Um, But maybe just going off of that idea, um, I mean, one of the things, like you said, uh, you know, these artists are alive in here and they can answer questions, right? And so having an opportunity for visitors to talk back or to make a a point um, that goes beyond maybe just, uh, um, I don't know, leaving a comment in a guest book, for example. but it's almost an immediate response from the gallery that they can then have a conversation that goes back and forth. And I think that's really interesting. So maybe in um, more historical exhibitions, having um, somebody there that really is um, able to, I don't know, animate that space and and have a talk back situation is good. Um, And whether that could be an artist, a contemporary artist who feels aligned to that work or
1: to that way of working would be really interesting. Any other questions? Yes. Oh, wait for the mic.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, I was just going to say I thought it was interesting that you guys situated it in like a mock office setting. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just because like you know, the uh, the um, museum goers come in and I guess sometimes if you work a nine to five or any job for that matter, it's just like eight hours of your day that you sort of turn off for and maybe seeing an artist in such a setting doing their work and interacting with them would make you think about like the creative enterprise that every moment really offers if you mm-hmm. if you slow down and think about it or make sure that you can.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know. That's just something I thought was cool. <laughs>
3: I think um, I think that's very true and, and I don't think that people or, or artists are the only ones who are creative or innovative in the in that way. And so I I hope or imagine that people would take away an experience that would say, Well, you know, that decision I made today at my office, you know, that was a creative act too, or something like that would be really, really cool. <laughs>
5: Um, I was, uh, on on Wednesday evening, I was having a conversation with uh, a woman who asked directly why the office space, which was one of the most common questions in this project that we got. And actually, again, through being in the space and having the dialogue around the project, I realized our own ambitions or maybe a clearer way to talk about them than uh, when we originally conceived it. And I think... It, you 're completely right that you know when you slow down and you actually think about where you are, there is the possibility the potential of being creative in that moment, but the, there 's something about cubicle spaces as well <laughs> their their neutrality uh, their lack of individuality. but then if you go into an office environment, they turn into that space as a representation of that individual. they start out at the as these very banal you know and beigey <laughs> walls and then become. You know, reflections of the person who's spending all of that time in there, and it's you know, it's cumulative. It it grows and it becomes um, just as unique as the individual in, in there, and that in itself is an act of maybe not conscious creativity, but there's thought and there's and there's uh, the same sort of this ongoing process that that goes into it, and so that was um, and in that specific instance I was able to persuade that particular visitor that this was a good idea so, um, but maybe uh, one of one of the artists can talk about that too whether that was on their minds. Or throughout sure. the I, I just yeah. feel yeah.
6: having a big space is quite privileged uh, and having to work in a smaller space I think it uh, a lot of the people who came through are artists or want to be artists, and I think they are empowered to know that uh, they can actually work in a smaller space and, and make work. So that was really
7: good to know. Oh, for me, it, uh, <laughs> <it> <laughs> um, I th- I'd like to think that it maybe showed that... Uh, um, that a practice can also be portable in terms of, and it can kind of exist within anywhere. You know, the way we talked about our studio spaces and how it depends on what we do, and we can kind of man- manipulate any space and turn it into a studio. And uh, I think that, that was hopefully uh, obvious that that was happening. Um, for me,
0: I opted to use it as... Um an actual office because what I'm working on right now was, would have been too big and cumbersome to bring into into the office. It wouldn't have fit in there.
9: So um, that's why I did that. Um, hi. Um, I just have a couple of responses, one to yours, and I guess one that comes out of just this discussion. Um, I actually curated... Ed and I had a chat about this, actually. I curated over 20 years ago, an event with Lena Rodvi at um, A Space called "Access to the Process," um, and the difference in that in that situation is that each artist was given, or a group of artists, because in some cases there were two, were each given a week in the gallery, um, 24 hours a day, that they could make use of the gallery space, and at the end of that, on the weekend following that, there would then be a performance. And a public discussion with each of the artists. So I think the difference in that context, which is what I felt for me missing here, was the opportunity to—I mean, for, for opportunity to sort of see the product, to see the process follow through to some kind of product, and then the, then the process and product could be discussed within the context of the gallery itself. So that was just the—I p- know, I know, you only had three days. But that's sort of the interesting piece for me. And because each of the artists were working site-specific as well. So they had the opportunity to develop work according to what the, how the practice evolved within that space. So that was just something that, you know, when you're talking about... Wouldn't it be interesting to put an artist, for example, in, in the European collection and have him or her work in response to the collection and have a, a product that would be site-specific, say, at the end of a week and then. So the, I'm just thinking of ideas that where you could continue to move an idea like this, and especially within the institutional context. And then the other piece, and this is a question, is had any of you considered just the idea of 9 to 5 and the idea of the job 9 to 5 in the cubicle as a political statement as well? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I may have missed this. I'm sorry I was late coming in. And as John and I were, were coming down here today, he was saying, "What was it, John?" That which conversation? The one about the one about the
2: Argentinian writers. Oh, they're they're contemplating giving a pension in Argentina to all writers who published five books or worked for twenty years at the craft. We'd never do
9: that in Canada. So they actually see it as a job. So I just, you know, I mean that that's quite interesting to me. Is just sort of just that sort of political sense and the fact that we're now hovering with a certain amount of anxiety before the election next week and not knowing what funding is going to be like for the arts. And I understand, I've heard um, this just recently because I had both, um, um, both the uh, Soroya and also um, Margot Charlton come to speak. I teach at the University of Toronto, and both of them were talking with the first year funding for the Toronto Arts Council has been frozen. So there is no increase at all to TIC funding. So um, I'm just curious as to how you envisioned as curators and as artists just seeing this idea of 9 to 5 and the cubicle within sort of a political context or if that occurred to you.
3: I think um, it is a... I mean, we were kind of poking fun or playing with this idea of... um, artistic genius, um, to use those terms, and we really wanted to do a project that showed a more uh, realistic or perhaps realistic view of artists' work and how it's an ongoing process and it is, sometimes it's arduous, sometimes it's, you know, um, long, sometimes you have mistakes, um, all those things that can happen um, and it's extended period of time. And so a nine-to-five job, you know, it's... It's it is kind of boring sometimes, or but it yeah, but it is your work and you continue to do it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if anyone else can go off that. Maybe. Yeah,
4: I think all of us up here, um, I I would assume feel strongly about the situation of funding for the arts in Canada, mm-hmm. and I know that in the maybe not in the conception of the project quite overtly, but. Mm-hmm. Perhaps subconsciously, that was the decision. But over the last month or so, um, Mary, in particular, has been following the election religiously, and we've all been very much, very much aware and concerned about what what the coming upcoming um, election will bring for us. But I think, in terms of having an office setting, that very much so, um, it isn't a, a moment of one individual conception of a project but an ongoing decision that these artists have made um, to being artists and I think that in Canada that's an extraordinary thing to value um, and to have support for and so the community that arose out of um, this project and the conversations that occurred where people met the people behind the images I think that was really an important act um, for people to get a sense of who creates these artworks that they so admire so for me, I think that that was very important.
5: Um, I, I would say that I actually viewed this as uh, having political undertones from its conception, but I, as the project developed, I didn't push that in our collaborative model to, to foreground it very much, but for me, this show was about ideas of time and productivity and how can you, how can you measure... Um, artistic production or the success of um, an artist's work and especially within uh, a, con, you know, a, a time limitation that uh, it, in most situations you're expected to have these outcomes at the end of each eight hours that you're working and so there, there is, there is a, a danger to that I think by, by making that statement but in the same way with the goal of this show that it is about the dialogue that it creates. I think that there's something very special about that it can create that conversation about that subject matter and hopefully that happened, hopefully it happened at some point for at least one of the artists in their conversations with the visitors that came through. So I really think that it was it, it it was riding along that edge, but and there there are many aspects to this project that I think could branch out into bigger issues, but um We really wanted those topics to come up in the conversations that were happening within the the three days.
1: If I could just um, add to that too, I guess we never really spoke about it overtly, but I had always assumed that in the decisions that you were making about how the artists would be compensated and how their day Mm -hmm. would be structured and the fact that they would get breaks... Um, you know maybe it's just that I'm the past vice president of Opsu Local 535 right. <laughs> um, but I had, had assumed that you know that was a purposeful mm-hmm. decision to um, uh, structure the project in a mm-hmm. way that expressed um, your acknowledgement of the value of mm-hmm. artistic work
4: Mm -hmm. And we had actually discussed at one point um, very transparently saying these artists are working this many hours they have this structured break this is what they're being paid and having that laid out in the panels involved in the exhibition um, and we didn't end up going that route but it was something that transparency in the fact that of this creation that we were very um, Mm -hmm. conscious of I believe.
3: Mm -hmm. And we I mean, we did choose to um, pay the artists uh, hourly wages too, Mm -hmm. which uh, maybe is a reflection of that kind of political uh, statement too there, as opposed to straight artist fees. Um, So, yeah. Um, But still paid well, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
7: Well, for me, when I I first saw the 9-to-5 thing, uh, or I was first offered to be part of it, um, I thought that I, I haven't actually worked a job in a long time, like a nine to five job. I don't think of my art practice as a job. It's it's a lifestyle. I feel fortunate to live that, that lifestyle. Um, and but yeah, the other part of it is, I also know it's 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 not that secure. Uh, so when I think about nine to five, it's like oh, three days. I feel it's going to feel real secure.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Got a badge.
7: i getting paid hourly. It's like it's a good feeling. Uh, And then I go back to the the insecure
6: moments. (laughs) (laughs) Even though there's uh, art funding available in uh, Canada, um, to get it is very difficult because the competition is tough. There are a lot of artists out there. And I would say most artists are pretty generous. They will do a day job and then work uh, to to make their work. And a lot of people are in debt uh, using visa to actually make their work. Uh, and um, I would say what you see here is you know just a tip of all the artists that are around, and many are left uh, being quite invisible.
2: Oops, <laughs> 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 <laughs>
4: um,
6: no, kind of weepy today. I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what I wanted to say is that I couldn't be here if there if there weren't other colleagues supporting and making work.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and um, I I liked the the name of the show Nine to Five because as I was saying earlier, artists don't work nine to five. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Anyone no. that does that, no. and even people that have nine to five jobs. I mean, everybody works overtime. Everyone's
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. you know mm-hmm. who do, who does a nine to five job.
5: Uh, this is directed to any or all of the three artists. Um, I'm just interested. In your feelings on, okay, you were there for three days, it was probably fun, it was probably a novelty kind of um, thing for you to do for three days. But I'm just interested, if you were to stay there in that setting longer, say for two or three weeks or even a month, what kind of effect that would have on your psyche and your creativity? And especially because basically you're an institution within an institution. You're an office kind of within the institution of an art gallery itself. So I'm just wondering how that would bear on you as far as your creativity goes in the long run and being under artificial lighting and the constraints of eight hours and you have to start at a certain time, stop at a certain time. I just would like to hear your thoughts on that. I would have
7: snapped. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I couldn't do it for two
0: weeks. Because um, I would need to be, like, I don't, it's not always studio work, so I'd need to be, like, possibly recording somewhere or doing something that's,
6: yeah, wouldn't work. Yeah. I actually thought about that, and I, I would probably change the rules a bit. I would have days where people can't interact with me, and then yeah. there are days when they can so that I'm not always uh, in a dialogue that I can kind of go through a process and be consistent with my thinking and working it, it is quite disruptive in a good way but mm-hmm. I can have that disruption uh, as an ongoing
7: thing agreed
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
7: Definitely. <laughs> my wife
6: and I thought the show was absolutely brilliant we have traveled to more than a dozen countries and been to galleries and museums in every single one of them. Personally, I'm always intimidated by them, mm-hmm. and I've never felt so engaged, uh, so uh, part of, uh, uh, of of an exhibit, uh, so part of the lives of artists. It was for me an uh, uh, extraordinary experience. One of the things that uh, uh, seemed to me, or I, I felt as I was both entering and then leaving the show. Um, And I wanted to direct the question to, I think, Michelle first. It seemed to me that there were six artists in the room and not three. What are your thoughts about that?
1: Um, Gosh, we're nearly at the end of our time. And that's (laughs) a huge huge (laughs) question. But... um, (laughs) I mean, and it's a question that there is a lot of discussion around right Mm -hmm. now. Um, The nature of curatorial practice is changing. And, um, you know, there was a time when being a curator meant um, being able to make objects look good together in a room. And um, I think particularly for people who... Our curators in the contemporary field, Um, the the basket of tools that you use has Mm -hmm. changed completely. And um, you know, when I was an aspiring curator nearly twenty years ago, I thought that I was becoming a curator because I was interested in art, but I wasn't creative enough to be an artist. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And Wow! Now I'm going to get weepy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, it's been it's been pretty pretty interesting over the last couple of years of um, of working in this field, realizing uh, that that I have something creative to contribute to to the artistic. So more and more you find yourself working in collaboration with artists and, um, you know, you make something together. And I think particularly in this project it was, um, uh, you know, sure the artists were sitting in their cubicles working on their work, but there absolutely were six people in that space creating the experience, creating the dialogue and all interacting with, with the visitors, absolutely. I think you've um, interpreted the project perfectly. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah. I, I think we have time for one more.
3: Right. Um, I was wondering, we, you guys have touched a bit about your experiences uh, in terms of interaction with the space and with the audience. But what about your interactions with each other, I guess, in your project? You are working in a very close space with these other individuals, and how might their practices have influenced the way that you found you work these past few days?
7: I think the cubicle walls—maybe (laughs) they might be too high. (laughs) Didn't get to didn't get to see each other enough. Actually, I felt for moments I didn't didn't really know what you guys were doing. I didn't even know if you were in your in your cubicle at all. (laughs) We weren't. And I actually would have liked to uh, uh, have—I guess—spent a little more time. talking to you guys yeah. and experiencing what you're doing and, and mm-hmm. uh,
0: Yeah, yeah I felt fine. the same way and, and um, Ed and I knew each other before but we hadn't met you so we mm-hmm. didn't really mm-hmm. get a lot of time to interact with each other
1: so what you're saying is there should have been an all-staff meeting you know? yeah. Yeah. All yeah. Staff or a staff meeting. picnic or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 I, I think it's really easy
6: to just start in, engaging with each other. Then the audience or the visitors may be, feel left out. Yeah. Intimidated. Yeah, so we. Yeah. I really wanted to just stay in my space yeah. and, yeah. and, and uh, welcome visitors. Mm-hmm. So same here. Yeah.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: I think for us, working with, with the artists, it's been a great experience over the three days um, to get to work that closely um, and just have conversations. But one thing that we did provide in the environment was there was chairs to sit should people want to um, hang out. There was a long table with six chairs around it and then the cubicle environment. And the artists were invited to work within or out of their space as they so chose So you can hear from their different interpretations of how they wanted to approach that in a short time period um, with so many visitors. But had collaboration occurred between them or they had wanted to step out, I think that that, um, we had hoped that that was available to them as a possibility. But definitely you don't want to create almost like a group setting that blocks out other people from coming and interacting. So I think in the end it worked very well the way the artists approached it.
7: I think for for, my, for myself, and I imagine for you guys, it, it did. It probably showed that that's the way we work. We're pretty independent, mm-hmm. like just to stay to our, in our little corner and, and just focus. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't collaborate much, so mm-hmm. I, I, I felt like I was I was fine where I was. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So, um, any any last words, or should we? Okay. Um, so thank you for engaging with us in that yeah. discussion. Thanks to everybody up here. I think that was a, a really great reflection on um, on the project. And um, you know we're like seven people, kind of feeling our way through this question of uh, artistic work and research. Um, but at three o'clock, um, after a short break. Uh, Rebecca Duclos who um, is somebody who um, has very interesting and profound things to say on the topic. will be uh, giving a a keynote uh, lecture presentation in the same space. So we hope that you will um, stay for that. Uh, I'm sure it will be fascinating. Um, And uh, thank you very much for for your work and engagement with Mm -hmm. us this afternoon.
0: Thank you for listening to this Art Gallery of Ontario podcast. For additional recordings, as well as information on upcoming programming and events,
6: please visit us online at ago.net slash talks.